Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. I mean, let's pray. Father, we're grateful. Lord, for just that wonderful time of worship that we God, we're able to take part in, Lord, and we're so grateful, Lord, that you have brought us out of our slavery, God, of bondage to sin so that we might be able to worship you, God, so that we might be able to know you, Father, and so that we might be able to run to you, God, and we're so grateful, God, for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and God, I pray, Lord, that as we open your word today, God, as we lean into the truth of your word, God, that you might... Allow us, God, in the, in the power of your spirit and by your grace, God, to leave changed. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we ask this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Good morning. So grateful uh, to be here this morning and just to be able to open God's word together. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 uh, today, and the last words on the screen give you a little bit of a hint as to what's going on in that chapter. When you think of Exodus 20, somebody tell me what you think of. Ten Commandments, right? Some of us got those right, right? We're Ten Commandments. We're going to be looking at those today, right? How many, uh, how many teenagers in the room, maybe young adults in the room, you're saying, hey, you know what? Uh, when I got to church today, I was hoping to go over some more rules. Anybody? Yeah, like, let's look at... You know, I was, I was talking about rules just a little bit in the congregation this morning. We were kind of, you know, just thinking about rules and, and what all that looks like and maybe some rules that we have at home. I had a, a couple boys tell me in their house, they've got some rules. We all have some rules. Like when I was growing up, uh, we had some rules and, my, my, and rules reveal to us. Uh, things about the rule creator, right? About their heart, about things that are uh, important to them, right? I can remember my dad, when I would go to town, he'd say, hey, when you get there, you got to call. Now, I lived back in the day when you didn't have the little cell phones we got out. Some of y'all recognize uh, maybe one of these uh, pictures you'll see on the screen, I think. <laughs> I think I sent that maybe. Um, but, but if not, uh, it's so obsolete. There you go. Some of you, uh, some of you may recognize how many people have never used one of those. Raise your hand if you've never in your life used one of those devices, right? There's some of you that your parents are raising your hand, right? And so, so we would have to stop. Like that's the only way I got money, right? Cause you get quarters for that, right? You, and you had to call and you let them know that you're okay. And if you're going to be running late. Like there's, there's curfews, there's times you got to be home and the older you get, you know, the more changes that take place in some of that, but all those curfews, they, they were for a reason. My dad said, you know, Hey, nothing good happens after midnight. You better be home. And, and I, and I think he's probably right. You know, he's probably right. I saw that later. Uh, and some of the things that we have, like I had, I had some boys tell me, listen, in their house, you got to wear socks because if you don't wear socks, you get sick and it's a house rule. You got to wear socks. Some of you are saying, well, I mean, I'm. Maybe that's why I've been sick all the time, right? We, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm putting on my socks today, right? We're, we're thinking about those kind of things. Somebody said, hey, a rule in our house is that you can't have no snacks in the bed, all right? No snacks in the bedroom. We don't want those crumbs. We don't want those kind of things. It keeps the bugs out, keeps all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, rules that we have can be for good. Sometimes there are rules, and maybe you as a young person, maybe some of your parents' rules have seemed restrictive. Has that ever happened? Maybe, maybe some of us that are older in the room, we might say, would, would we recognize and say that some of the rules that our parents had that they felt restrictive in the moment, right? We, we see that. I, I remember those kind of things. Uh, some of them, you know, when we think about that, we can think about some of those options, right? I was talking to my kids this morning and, 
you know, we were just talking about some of the rules that, that we've had or some of the things that are there. And one of the things that we chose to do kind of as parents, and this doesn't mean it's right for everybody, but when, uh, when my daughter got a cell phone, uh, we were kind of thinking like, how does this look, right? We wanted her to have that. She was going to be, you know, in uh, sports and, and kind of a way, and we wanted her to be able to contact us. And it made us feel good, made her feel good. But we said, you know, um, she said, man, I really want Instagram and Facebook and you know, seemyface.com and all those things. Like, yeah, you know them all. Like, there's a new one. And so, you know, we just said, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to kind of go a different route with some of that because we see how difficult it is for mom and dad to navigate those kind of things and how much time and just all the things that are there. So we chose to do some things different. And, and we were talking about that this morning. And at the moment, it seemed like the most restrictive thing in the world, right? I, I can remember talking to Hope about that. And, and uh, you know, as she was talking about, we were just kind of bouncing that back and forth. We, we then later, though, she said, you know, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't have those things. So we're going to see how some of these rules and some of these restrictions, and, and, and we like to say that rules without relationship lead to rebellion, right? That there's, there's that kind of dynamic. And so that in the midst of rules, there's got to be a relationship. People have to understand uh, the heart of some of those things. So today we're going to look at um, some commands in scripture. And, and one of the things that we're going to see is that these commandments, I want us to think of them in a different frame. And we're going to talk about these sweet solutions for freedom. And so uh, if you're following along uh, in the church app, we've, we've uh, by the way, in, upgraded our internet a bit. I know some of you are trying to follow along with sermon notes and uh, just being able to look at the digital bulletins and those kind of things. And we were kind of struggling uh, with that, but we've expanded that where that's working better now. So if you're following along in there, you'll find sermon notes each week. You'll find a bulletin, you'll find events, ability to register for things like the marriage conference. Um, feel free to uh, kind of check those things out. We're going to be Again, in Exodus chapter number 20, right? And so we're going to be talking about these sweet solutions for life. Now, the world would say that these rules would be restrictive. Uh, I heard an illustration of a goldfish in a bowl. And so I've got a little picture of that that you'll uh, see on the screen. And when you see this goldfish, I'm thinking that he's probably... He's either doing one of two things. He's looking outside and thinking, man, life would be really good if I didn't have this glass in front of me. Like, it would be awesome. Look at everything there is out there. But now if he got out of that glass, yeah, he wouldn't last very long, right? And so we see these boundaries can, can be good. I'm thinking he might have been looking at another goldfish in the room that had a bigger glass than him. And he's like, if I just had his glass, <laughs> like everything would be so good, right? And, and so we think about those kind of things, right? But we, we think about this fish, right? And this fish is made to be in the water. And so when he's removed from that, he doesn't experience freedom. He experiences death. But inside those bounds, right, he experiences incredible freedom. And so we're going to look at these 10 sweet solutions for freedom today. And when we think about those, you, you may, uh, we're on, I believe, day 41 starting tomorrow in our reading plan. You can pick up some copies of that. You can find it online. We encourage you uh, to read through the scriptures with us. And as we're reading, uh, as the Lord leads, I'm, I'm doing my best and, and praying. And Lord's uh, granted just kind of favor in that, that we would preach from one of those passages and we would walk through this big story of scripture together. So we're kind of taking a, a big uh, journey this year and you're kind of able to get the rest of the story 
through the week as you read. So, so we land here in the midst of these, uh, this giving of the Ten Commandments. Now, when you read uh, the book of Exodus, and as you've continued to read that and some of that at the end of the week, you've seen all kinds of different laws. You've seen all kinds of different things that were there. And so we read today of what's called the Decalogue. So we read these ten um, pieces of this moral law, right? And we're going to see and we're going to land back here, but it reveals the character of God. So these are moral laws. These are things, and we have a God who uh, is immutable, who doesn't change. And so these truths about what they reveal about God and about morality, right, is uh, just a beautiful thing. Now, when we think about the Ten Commandments, uh, we might think of uh, a courthouse in Alabama a few years back where there was some controversy where there was a judge that was in the news a bunch about not taking these down. And so Christians sometimes, and even non-believers, will put these things at the end of their driveway or they'll have a sign up somewhere in the midst of that. So uh, we see those kind of things. Now, the question is, how many of us know the Ten Commandments? We say, listen, we want those things and we stand for that, but there are statistics that say very few Christians actually know the Ten Commandments. So everybody say, welcome to Children's Church. All right, congratulations, you're in Children's Church. Now, there's a couple of rules in Children's Church. When you're in Children's Church, everybody participates, okay? So in children's church, so, so this morning you're in children's church and everybody is going to participate. And if everybody does really good at the end, Miss Kelly will have some goldfish for you at the desk up there. It's going to work out great. And so we want to lift our hand up and we're going to learn the Ten Commandments together. And I believe it'll help us this morning. So I want to see everybody's little pointer finger up in the air. Let's see those. I'm looking. You're not too cool for that, sir. If, yep, there we go. All right. I'll see a couple more. This is okay, right? This is okay. Now, now what we're going to do is we go through this, and, and let's keep them off the screen. We don't need them on the screen. We're just going to go through this. All right, everybody's got their hand up. We say there's one God, right? And we're going to have no other gods before him, right? That's the reality. It leads us to commandment number two. We got two fingers up. Two's too many. There's only one. So we can't have any idols. We're not going to have any graven images. We're not going to have those things. We're going to cut the idols. Rock, paper, scissors, cut the idols, okay? Commandment number one, there is one God, right? Two, nope, only one. So we're going to cut the idols. Number three, makes a W. We're going to watch our words, right? Because we're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, see this little guy here? He's resting. He's resting. Okay, so we're going to honor the Sabbath, right? And we're going to keep it holy. Number five, what does this make you think of, right? Scouts honor, right? Honor your father and your mother. So that your days will be long in the land that I'll give you. We'll look at that uh, a little bit later. Number six, everybody make a gun looking at this guy over here. You got a gun? All right, now you're going to shoot him. There's six. Thou shalt not murder. Okay, there'll be no murder. Not having any of that here. Okay, there shall be no murder. All right, now we're going to have seven. All right, we got these two right here. They're getting married. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and, and number seven is thou shalt not commit adultery. It reveals to us uh, God's value of the family, his plan in the midst of that. We see that. Number eight, number eight. All right, here we go. Look through the jail bars because that's what you'll get if you steal. Do not steal, right? This is you looking out right now. This is how it's working. So thou shalt not steal. This is important stuff. You guys are going to remember. It's going to be a great guide for life. This one was a tough one. Grant and I figured this one out yesterday. Found the rest from a homeschool mom. It was awesome. So this one right here. All right, here we go. Yeah, thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay, so you got that. That's it. Number nine, right? And number 10, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's stuff, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's servant. Your na- if any of y'all got neighbors with servants, holler at me, but we got... Um, <laughs> 
All that stuff, we'll talk about the time a little bit different. So we got that. I should not covet. So we're going to do this again, and we're going we're gonna to do this together. We're going to say it out loud. Number one, one God, right? One God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, no graven images, no idols. Got to cut the idols. Number three, yeah, watch your words. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, this guy's resting. Don't forget, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. First commandment with a promise, right? Number six. Bad news, no murder. Got to go away with that. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. These two people are meant to be married, only them. Stay out of that. Number eight, don't go to jail for stealing because you will go to jail for stealing. All right, number nine, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Number 10, don't covet, don't want their stuff, don't want any of that. Okay, that's kind of where we're at this morning. So, so here we are in the Decalogue. We're going to read through those. When you look through uh, the Old Testament law, you're going to see some different things. It's part of this Mosaic Covenant. You're going to see uh, this Decalogue, this moral law that reveals to us the character of God. We're going to kind of land there uh, in a little bit. You're also going to see uh, civil law. So after you get through Exodus 20, you're going to see uh, this, this law that was governing Israel as a people. So you're going to see uh, those kind of things. It's almost like the, the 10 or kind of like the Constitution, right? And so after that, you've got these federal laws that are coming out. Uh, this, it was a, a theocracy, right? So God's in charge. We want to remember that. Um, and, and so we had these other laws that came out of that that existed and taught uh, Israel how they are to live and govern them. You're also going to see ceremonial law. So there was guidelines for worship, things that uh, about like what kind of thread can be in your clothes and that you shouldn't eat shellfish. And you're going to see people when they say, they're going to take some of God's moral commandments and we're going to say, hey, this is what God reveals to us about sexual morality. This is what God reveals to us about this. And then they're going to say, but he also said, don't eat shellfish. And so what we want to be is, is Christians that understand there's a difference in all those things, right? There's a difference in God's moral law, those things that don't change. There's a difference in this uh, civil law that's been given to them and to govern them as God's people. And remember, this is teaching them how to live life and how to be free. There's worship laws. There's all those kind of things. And we no longer are sacrificing the temple. We're no longer navigating this clean, unclean di dynamic. Like at the end of the day, I don't want you to go up and say, unclean, don't touch, right? They got the cooties. They said that when they were growing up. It's that kind of thing. So here we go. Exodus chapter Number 20. So God has, has let's, let's just kind of set the stage for a second. God has delivered the children of Israel right out of Egypt. This is kind of where we're at in the story. He's gone before them. There's been a cloud uh, by day. There's been a pillar of fire by night. There's been moments where they've gotten hungry and he's provided mystery bread called manna. Got to be loving that stuff. They got kind of tired of it. They grumbled. But but there's manna provided from heaven. There's a time when they get thirsty and he, he provides water out of a rock. God has done all this stuff for them. He, he's done incredible things for them. And he's not simply just delivering the Israelites out of the bondage that they were experiencing in Egypt. He was delivering them so that they might worship him and that they might know him. And so the first, first 18 chapters we've been walking through, there's been like action-packed stuff. There's been all this story of the Exodus, right? There's all these pieces, right? And now now we turn to this place where we're going to see them learn who this, this God really is, right? Who God really is to reveal himself. So he calls Moses up the mountain. God shows up in just an incredible way. The, the mountain, like he covers his glory, right, where it doesn't kill them all uh, in the midst of that with a cloud. He, he sets up these boundaries and he says, hey, don't let people go past this point or they will die when they get in the presence of my holiness. And on this mountain, God gives them the commandments. Beginning in verse one, the scripture says this, then God spoke these 
all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, when we start out this, we got to remember, he's saying, first of all, the thing that you've got to know is I am the Lord. He said, I'm in charge. Now, we live in a world that says everybody else is in charge. We live in a world that says you're in charge. But God establishes this from the beginning. He says, I am the Lord. And he said, I want you to remember who I am. I define right and wrong. And I want you to also notice something else in this passage. God had already brought them out. He, He didn't give them Like all the plagues, all that stuff was happening. He didn't say, hey, here's Ten Commandments, and when you get these right, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. He said, I've brought you out of Egypt, and now I'm going to teach you how to live. These commandments have never been designed to be a ladder that somehow we would climb and that somehow we would be good enough to earn heaven, that somehow we would do all these things and we would be able to be in the presence of God. Israel, in in this moment, they're about to enter into this covenant relationship with the God of heaven and earth, and because of what he's done for them, he is worthy of obedience. He is worthy worthy of worship. He is worthy of them to live as he commanded. And so he's given them these 10 sweet solutions for freedom in life, right? So there's two parts. We saw the first part, the first four, they're connected with man's relationship with God. The last six with one another. So here's where we are, right? Verse number three, commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Faith, would you bring me that bicycle wheel just for a second? And and so you, you shall have no other gods before me. And here's the truth that I want you to see. We're not going to have time to spend a ton of time in every commandment. Some of y'all are saying, what's the bicycle wheel? Well, in modern translations, it says, this is how the Israelites crossed uh, through the Red Sea on dry ground on their bike. No, it doesn't. This does not have anything to do with it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was fun. And so, no. And so what we see, this command, right? If we get this one right, you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with a, a bicycle wheel? Now, there's a lot of spokes on this wheel. And today I want you to let those things represent all kind of different things in your life. Some of them might be your kids. Some of them might be your job. Some of them might be uh, some activities that you enjoy. Some of them might be riding a bicycle. Some of them might be uh, doing all these kind of different things. All these spokes, they represent things about our life. But if you notice, there's only one hub. There's only one thing that's at the center of this bicycle wheel. There's only one thing that can be at the center of our life. And when God gives these commandments, he starts out with the most important thing. And and he says, hey, here's the deal. You shall have no other gods before me. He said, you're not going to have anything else. And when anything else is in the center of this, it messes everything up, right? And sometimes we can be guilty of putting things that are not as important in the center. Sometimes as parents, we can say, you know what? At the center of my life is my kids. And so everything is going to revolve around my kids. And what we find out is that in those places that they even can become an idol. And we start making decisions that say, you know what, I'm going to do all these things. And we justify it. This is how the world says to justify whatever it is that's important in your life. And let's say that it's ourself. Because a lot of times, instead of God being at the center of our hub, we put ourself at the center of our hub. And we say, hey, you know what? I don't like this. This doesn't make me feel good. This doesn't make this. So, so everything uh, kind of happens out of that. And we base our life and what we believe on us being at the center of our life. But the reality is that God, there's only one God, and there's nothing that's to be placed in front of him. There's nothing that's to be at the center of our life outside of God. It could be money. It could be sometimes drugs can be at the center of somebody's life, and everything revolves around that. But when God is at the center of our life, then everything is in order around him. And here's what we're going to see. Life only works when God is at the center. 
No, number two, commandment number two, verse number four. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven or above or on earth beneath or in the water under heaven. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Number three, verse number seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse number 12, commandment number five, honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. We see God's value, right, in respect for, for authority, but, but, but that we would respect parental authority. N- number six, verse number 13, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So we start out with commandment number one. God says, there's one God. He said, I am the Lord your God. He says, there's one God, and we're going to have no other gods before me. We end with this commandment number 10, and in this commandment, it says, I'm not going to be desiring my neighbor's stuff. I'm not going to be wanting all these things, right? And it gives us this picture of our heart in both of them. And when we think about things that we covet, things that we desire, things that we grope after like that, it's things that are in our mind that says, you know what? I've got to have this if I'm going to be happy. I've heard it said that if you're not satisfied with what you've got, you're not going to be satisfied with what you get, right? That, that we, we think, the world tells us, hey, if you just have this stuff, it's like the fish looking next door and the fish is saying, hey, I'm looking for a, uh, I'm looking for a different bowl. I'm looking for a different situation. It's that kind of moment. I don't know everything about what's going on, but, but let's take a moment and we'll just pray um, for um, folks that are, are, are leaving in this moment. Father, we're grateful, uh, Lord, that you know every detail about what um, is going on in these moments. Lord, we thank you for our medical team and our safety team here, Father, and we just thank you for those that, uh, that serve, Father. And we, we, don't, we know you know every detail about who um, they're working with in these moments, Father, and we know that, uh, God, you're with them. And so, Lord, we pray and ask for your touch, for your healing, for your presence, Father, to be mighty. And, Lord, we just trust them uh, in your care. God, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's this, this piece, right? There's this thought that says, I've got to have this in order to be happy. This thought of coveting, right? This thought of... Um, of, of this appetite that we have, that there's something in our life or something that's not in our life, that's in our neighbor's life. And we think, you know what? If I just had their job, if I just had their house, if I just had their athletic ability, if I just had their boyfriend or their girlfriend, if I just had those kind of things, right? If I was as good looking as they are, if I had their car, if I had all those things, 
So the first commandment says, there are gonna be no other gods that are gonna be before you, that I'm gonna worship Yahweh, that I'm gonna worship God. The last commandment says, I'm gonna be satisfied with what God has given me. There's gonna be contentment in our life, right? There's gonna be this, this recognition that, that what God has given me, I'm gonna be content in him. Kind of this bookend picture of our heart. Now these 10 commandments, they're given to us, right, to be sweet solutions for freedom. Sweet solutions are given to the, to the children of Israel in those moments for that. But the question is, how do they apply to us today? What does this look like today? So we're gonna look at just a couple of pieces, right, that it teaches us, that these commandments teach us. First, they reveal God to us. So when you see these commandments, they're going to teach us about the holiness of God. They're going to teach us about God's character. They're going to teach us uh, about his beauty, right? His holiness, his righteousness. They reveal God to us. And, and through those things, we see through these 10, right, some things about God. They reveal God to us. The second thing, they reveal to us how to live free. Now, you think about these commandments, right? They're restraining guidelines for, the, for God's people to live together, right? To be in uh, this, uh, you know, kids are not a fan of rules a lot of times. We, we talked about that until they get a little older. And then they say, you know what, I'm, I'm thankful for those rules. And then maybe I wish I'd even had some more of those rules because those bounds, those boundaries, those things, they allowed me uh, to live, right, in, in a better way, to live in freedom. And we look around and the world is in a mess, right? We look around and there's no sense of morality. And, and here's the thing, when we think about that, the, the world that we live in, right? The word of God says, hey, here are these sweet solutions for life. But the world that we live in says, hey, there's nothing absolute. The world that we live in says, you know, you're looking for truth. You can find it within yourself that whatever you believe, that, that there is no absolute truth. That's what the world wants you to believe. That's what the world wants us to buy, right? They want us to believe and, and, and they want us to be in this mindset that says, hey, here's the deal. The thing that's important is you and you are at the center of life. So you take what you want, you do what you want, you say what you want, you feel what you want and whatever's at the center of that, because you love it, then, then it's okay and you can make it okay because that's how you feel but when God began to give this law he said here's the here's the deal he said I am the Lord your God and he said I'm in charge and I make the rules I establish morality and, and this, the world system says whatever authority that there is that you rebel against that authority that you do those kind of things that you're in charge that it's all about you that's Pharaoh's system right that's the system of the world that's that's what we live in the midst of. But for God's people, it's different. And the law does something beautiful for us because we see this absolute truth and we see God's standard of morality. And in the midst of that, it reveals, the law reveals our need for a savior. Right, the law reveals our need for a savior. You know, I started to bring a mirror, right? But I decided I had enough props and I also decided that I don't really like looking in it. Because when you look in the mirror and James says that the law is a mirror, he uses that. Maybe in, in today's time, he might would have said, hey, the law is like an MRI machine or whatever the highest tech 
thing is that reveals so much about us, right? But when we look in that mirror, and when I look in that mirror, I see that I ain't got no hair. I see I missed a shaving spot right here. I see all those things, right? The mirror reveals truth, right? The mirror, it just tells it like it is, right? When we have an x-ray, if we've got a broken bone, it says, hey, your bone is broken. This is the way that it is. But here's the thing. It can see what's wrong, but it can do nothing to heal it. It can do nothing to make it right, right? That mirror, I look at it all day long. It doesn't make me look better one time. I can look at it. I can look at it over and over again. And the law reveals our need for the Savior. Look at Galatians chapter 2 in verse 16. The scripture says this. It says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by all the works that we got right, that we may be justified by following all the commandments, that we may be justified. No, it says that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. See, that the law reveals, it's like a mirror. It reveals, but it cannot repair. And fact is, it can't give us a good record. You know, I wish I could go back and press reset on a bunch of stupid stuff that I've done in my life, right? And when I look at the law, I see my sinfulness and I see how many of these commands, right, that, that, that I've broken, right? And I see that my need of a savior and I wish I could go back and fix it, right? But the law doesn't give us a good record. Fact is, it reveals our bad record. It reveals how broken we are. It reveals how bad off that we are. It reveals that we've broke them all, right? It reveals we say, you know what? I hadn't murdered. Well, well Jesus up there. What did Jesus say about the commandments? He said, well, you've heard it said. In the old days, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill, right? But a man who looks at someone with these thoughts, right? He says, he's guilty of murder. And, and then he says, how about thou shalt not commit adultery? And some of you say, well, I've never done that. But Jesus kind of upped that deal, right? And he said, if you've looked upon a woman with lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery. And then Jesus introduced something completely different. And in the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, I'm looking for obedience that comes from somewhere different, not from fear, not from uh, the fear of punishment from the commands, but I'm looking for obedience that comes from the heart. And this is what we see. The Ten Commandments, right? They reveal to us that we need something more than what we have, right? They reveal our need for a Savior. We need a righteousness that comes from somewhere else. We need a righteousness. The, the, the law reveals that I'm never going to get it, that I've broken all this, that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And the law reveals that I need a righteousness that I can't have of my own. Look at Galatians 3.24. The Bible says that the law became our tutor or schoolmaster in some of your translations to lead us to completing all these commands and making sure that we do everything right. No, to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified just as if we'd never sinned and we're justified by faith. So the works have never justified us. Salvation is not a result of the good things that you've done. You talk to people and they say, hey, if you're to stand before God, how are you going to get into heaven? Why is it that you should go to heaven? And they say, you know what? I've been a pretty good person or maybe my goods outweigh my bad or maybe I've kept some of these commands. Maybe I've done those kind of things. We hear those kind of things, but the law doesn't reveal our righteousness. It allows us to see our unrighteousness. It allows us to see our brokenness. Salvation is not a result of good things you did. Salvation is the result of the good things that Jesus did. Salvation is the result of the work of Christ, and we are justified by 
faith. If we could have been justified by the law, the Bible could have ended right here. If we could have been justified by, by the law, it could, have, it could have finished with Exodus, right? We could have been done. But what we see in the scriptures is that we cannot be justified by that, but God desires obedience, right? That God desires that we might obey from love for him, right? I want my wife to love me, not because she's afraid of embarrassment or being unfaithful. I want her to be faithful to me, not because of, of fear of breaking some kind of law and, and, and some commandment and some punishment. I want my wife to be faithful to me because she loves me, because she, out of, a, out of love, right? I want her to be faithful and God desires that. See, under the new covenant, here's what we see in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number five. If you want to look at verse 15, Christ died, scripture says. So, so here's under this new covenant, Christ died. So those that trust him, those that believe him, those that have placed their faith in him would no longer, what the scripture says, that they would no longer live for themselves, right? That they would no longer be the center of their life, that they would no longer be in that position and live their life in that way, right? But that they would live for the one who died and rose again on their behalf. See, the motivation that we have to follow the law, the motivation that we have to live in and obey God's laws is not so that we could earn salvation. We cannot earn salvation, but we live and we walk in that in order to obey because we love the one that gave himself for us, right? The one who took us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son who took us from darkness into light, right? God still, what we know about God, God still loves purity. When we look at these commandments, you say, do they apply? to us today. I thought we were under grace. I thought we are under grace. And, and because of his grace, that's our motivator, right? And, and we live as an overflow of what God has done in our life in light of his mercy. God still loves purity. God still loves holiness. God still loves those things. He loves honesty. God still knows the way that we function best. He still knows how he's designed relationships to work. But the source of our motivation is no longer trying to keep all these things of the law out of fear of punishment of those things. Things, but our motivation is that we've been saved by his grace and we've been changed by his grace. And as verse 14 in that same chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that the love of Christ compels us, that the reason that we walk in the, in the grace and knowledge, the reason that we keep the law, the reason that we try to do those kind of things as best as we can, right, is out of an overflow of God's grace in our lives, right? And not only is it out of an overflow of his grace, but it's empowered by his spirit. And the only way that we walk in this, the only way that we live is as a result of Jesus living in us, right? I love that song that we sung today, yet not I, but Christ in me. The way that we walk in the truth, the way that we live lives that honor God, the way that we live lives of purity and pursue holiness is not in our own strength and us trying to keep all this list. Now, we need to learn that list. We need to know those things, but we live those things out of an overflow of God's grace in our life. And it starts, right? with surrender. It starts by saying, you know what? I'm not the sinner and neither is anything else in my life. And God, if there's anything else and, and for followers of Jesus Christ in here, if there's anything else that somehow has worked its way to the center of your life, you will never have success in this life. You will never be able to walk in integrity. You'll never be able to do those things. As long as something else is at the center, we're always going to cater to whatever that is. And we've got to cut those idols. We've got to remove those things. And in surrender, we've got to say, God, I, I've been looking at the wrong things, whether it's my kids, 
whether it's my wife, whether it's my job, whether it's money, no matter what those things are, I've got to say, you know what, when anything's in the wrong place, I'm going to submit to the authority of God and I want to worship him, right? I heard it said that one time that we worship our way into idolatry and basically what that means is that there's something in our life that we allow to become above God and in those moments we begin to worship those things and our whole life begins to flow around those things and the best way out of idolatry is that we worship our way out of idolatry and as we look at the holiness and the goodness and the beauty and the majesty of our God and we reflect on all he's done for us right he says I am the Lord your God I brought you out of the bondage of sin and slavery I brought you out of those things and I've saved you and now you live for me and the love of Christ compels us and we worship him and we honor him and we live for him is there anything you trust more than him is there anything you love more than him is there anything you obey more than him whatever's in that place in the center of your life the sin that you keep running to the places that get there right many times it's a it's an issue of idolatry we say you know what i love that more than him and the way out of that is we we surrender to him and we worship him as the one true god and we'll have no other gods before you see in the old testament we see this mountain right we see this glory of god descending we see this kind of moment where he says the lord is near and he says you better stay back he said you better be careful because the lord's near and if you get too close his holiness and his goodness, it will burn you up, right? That sin can't enter into his presence. That there's a distance that we're to have. And then in the New Testament, Jesus took all of our sin and all of our shame. And through the blood of Christ, we've been made right. That the, that the very righteousness of Christ, the Bible says, that has been credited to our account. And that God has made us holy. That he has made us right with God, justified by faith, and that now, instead of stay away because you're going to be destroyed because of the holiness of God, the word of God says, draw near. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. He says, listen, you come into my presence. You worship me. You're welcomed into my presence because I've paid for you, and I've purchased you, and because of that, we worship you, and whatever it is that somehow gets in the way of that, we remove that, and we honor you as God, you are the Lord, and there will be no other gods before you. So I want to invite us to worship God. We worship our way into a mess sometimes, and we get the wrong things as priorities in our life, and it could be anything. And I know in the power of the Spirit of God that he can convict and share and, and allow and reveal to us what those things are in our life. And whatever those things are, our response is to worship him, that we might surrender, that we might, that we might live our lives in a way that say, God, you are, Yahweh, you are the only thing that I'll worship. And you, God, are at the center of my life and everything else will order around it. As the band comes, I'm going to pray for us. If you're here this morning, I, I pray that you will be obedient as God speaks. If there's things in our life that we need to lay down, there's something beautiful and something powerful, uh, even about kneeling and surrender. Uh, it might be at your seat. It might be at this altar that there might be something that you might just, uh, even symbolically, that you might just take and lay down and say, you know what? I no longer am going to allow this to be the center of my life. And Lord, I, I, I repent of my sin. I repent of idolatry. I repent of those things. And now I surrender to you, God. You are worthy of all of our praise. That's what he said in the, these commandments. He said, I am the Lord your God who has delivered you from slavery and from bondage. And then he says, worship me in obedience. Worship me in truth. Live in 
freedom. Father, I pray, God, that if there's any that don't know you this morning, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might draw them to repentance, Lord, that they might see that there's nothing, uh, no way that we could be justified through our works, God, that, that we're saved only by your grace, God, and that we, we would, God, just surrender our lives to you, Father, that we might uh, recognize that in your great love and in your mercy that you gave your only son, that Jesus came and that he lived a life that we couldn't live. He lived a sinless life and that he died on a cross in my place. And if we would look to that cross and we would recognize that apart from the work of the cross that there's nothing, that there's nothing that we could do to earn our way to heaven, but that when Jesus died on the cross that he died in my place. And I believe by faith and I surrender my life to you. God, I pray if there's someone here that's never done that, that this morning, God, would be a moment of surrender. And God, for all the believers in this room, God, I pray that this morning would be a morning of order, God, that we would recognize the idols, God, and that we would, God, that we would, we would lay those down and that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. God, have your will and way in every life, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand this morning? Be obedient this morning if God speaks to your heart.